Hey, episode 32, and my wife, Wendy, my co-host, is uh, sitting out today in her seat is our daughter, our numero uno daughter, our firstborn, the light of our life. The best one. Oh, not quite. Uh, but she's not quite, she's not, um, not quite <clears throat> meaning like you are equally loved mm-hmm, as but i'm not you're not the best out of all three how, how could we how could we play um favorites we couldn't you probably do have them do you think so i have a favorite jealous. yeah i just don't want to say it yeah. do you think mm-hmm. you know what one time i told you guys i love you all differently differently right but it's like this equal love but different because you all like to be loved different like for, okay well, first of all we didn't introduce you but i don't say your names out in public because mm-hmm. you're not um you're not even 12 yet you're 11 years old i know this daughter here is 11 years two old she's though, gonna Dad. be 12 she's gonna be one two in march but for some reason i'm just a little not for some for many reasons i'm a little (laughs) protective of my daughters i don't post their faces on my social media i don't post their names i usually just post their initials so your ig oh your ig kind of like instagram (laughs) (laughs) my ig is so ig daughter number one is sitting next to me and what were we gonna say um i just lost my train of thought uh, we you all love us differently. I love you all differently. That's and right. We you we all like to be loved in different ways. That's right. Because so, how would you say you like to be loved? I hate touch. I'm not yeah. a touchy person. This at daughter all. is not a touchy <laughs> toucher, and you have a dad who's kind of touchy. Uh, that's a problem. That is a problem, right? So we've had to kind of work that out. Like, how do we how do we deal? Because usually I'm I come home, I wake up, and I'm like, let's kiss, let's hug, and but I'm like. No. No. And so <laughs> I've learned to ask for the right time. Like, yeah. Is now a good time? Right now? <laughs> yeah. No. How about right oh. now? <laughs> sure. Can well, I, like. Can I hug you? Sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just oh. saying that's what I'll do, right? I'll learn. So this is a good tip for all you inadequate parents out there. Uh, my other youngest daughter, loves SG, she's loves it's kind snuggling. of annoying. She, she like <laughs> comes up and like runs her head into my body. I'm she like, she no. would crawl up inside of my body if she could. Sometimes she wants <laughs> to be so close, and um, I'm a touchy person. She sleeps with you a lot. She will definitely crawl in and sleep with me a lot. It's uh, cute. And all three of you, again, the middle daughter, she's touchy. Middle daughter's touchy, but maybe not as touchy as me. You all are very different, and you, what would you say is your love language? How do you like to be loved? Well, quality time. Quality time, (laughs) giving gifts. Gifts and quality (laughs) time, this girl. Yeah, and I like quality time, too. So we we share a lot of movies together. We just had a a game night, family game night. Mm -hmm. You take me to a lot of movies. A lot of movies. That's fun. So I'm going to be gone. This is going to come out. I'll be actually at Sundance Film Festival all week, the last (laughs) week of January 2019. And uh, you need to help mom hold down (laughs) this fort, the Gapistone Fort. It's not easy. Nope. It is not easy. She's going to get angry a lot. (laughs) You think think she is? Why? (laughs) Because we're really hard to take care of. <laughs> Three daughters is really overwhelming. And a dog, at times. too. And a dog. Yeah, sometimes I feel like my dog wants to play with me. My kids are there. They want this. They want that. He was, and like, jumping on you during our game tonight. Oh, man. All right, so episode 32, IG. Did I tell you who's on the episode today? 
No. Okay, it's my friend, my friend Dave Diller. Oh, yeah, you did. And Dave and I went to college together in Chicago at North Park University. And he recently left his vocational job with a church, much like I did. And so we talked a lot about the church. What does it mean? How does one reconcile your identity? And all things that pastors like to riff on, (laughs) we did. So... (laughs) Uh, Take a listen, and if you are uh, following along on social media this week, say hi. I'm hopefully finding some good connections for my filmmaking endeavors and for Brave Maker. Our next event is on February 22nd. Uh, Tickets are available at bravemaker.com slash events. Check that out. And I'm going to wear my Holy Cannoli shirt to one of my uh, screenings in Park City, Utah. So I'll take a picture and post it. Subscribe to him. Say what? Subscribe. Subscribble. I changed it to. (laughs) Subscribble. I kind of like that. So, (laughs) subscribble. Subscribble to the podcast. Send us a rating. Oh, did you know that when you guys do ratings and leave comments and feedback, that helps other people find the podcast? So, subscribble. That means subscribe (laughs) and write a little dribble. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enjoy my friend Dave Diller. You are listening to the. Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. You guys, we're starting the podcast right now. Might as well just do it. I am actually Insta-storing <laughs> right now with my fu- uh, fun friend from college, David Diller, David C. Diller on Instagram. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. Yes. So College times. Dave and I used to share a bunk bed in North Park University on, what was the street we lived on? It was, uh, was it Carmen? Was it Carmen? Carmen. Okay, Carmen. Carmen. We had, we, our house was called the, the Lighthouse. Super Jesus. <laughs> Do you remember what it stood for? Oh, it had like an acronym. Everything with you had an acronym for ministry. It was the it was the mid to late nineties. It was awesome. Everything was extreme middle school and extreme high school ministry, and um, that way we could better memorize how good God is by giving oh it an acronym. Oh my gosh! Oh, tell me this is still recording. Do you remember? Just... Oh, of course you remember. Um, every Monday night at North Park yes. University. Yes. Come we, on, dude. We would go. Come on. A prayer walk. That was called the dog, the dog walk. walk. The digging, D-O-G. Digging on God. Digging on God walk, you guys. Every Monday, there would be like, well, one, at one point, it was like 40 or 50 students. And in the middle of winter, it was like three. <laughs> God is moving, except in January. <laughs> and we would walk around campus in the, on the north side of Chicago, and we would pray. We would pray together. We'd pray for people in their dorms. We'd pray for random people on the street. Do you have any stories? Do you remember anything from that experience, anything no, happening? No, I'll, honestly, I'll just tell you my initial thought of it right now. Like, yeah. there's this part of me that looks back at that, and I think, oh, how naive and sort of silly that is that we're doing this um, digging on God walk. Um, <laughs> and I'm kind of making fun of it in my own mind right now. And yet, I'm also mindful of moments that were really cool because here we are on Foster Avenue um, trying to be open to different things we can be praying for and thinking about. Mm-hmm an ambulance would go by Mm -hmm. and somebody would be like, Hey, can we be praying for whatever that situation Mm -hmm. is? And yeah, some part of that is a little maybe naive or or whatever, however you want to qualify that. But then at the other part of it is you go, what a cool thing to be just observant and awake to life and asking God, um, 
higher power to be present and available to those in need everywhere yeah. all the time. Well, dude, I remember, I mean, speaking of finding like God in the strange places, it was always late at night too. It was like nine o'clock or something like that. And <laughs> late, late at night. Is I mean, o'clock. like now, <laughs> now, now it's not, it's late. <laughs> now that I have kids and I want to be in bed at ten thirty. Uh, I remember one night though, there was a dude who screeched, like literally, like came around the corner. This was in front of Solberg, which was the the dorm I lived in at the time. And he got out of his car. He's like, "Who who here is the the prayer people? Are you guys the prayer walkers?" <laughs> oh. And uh, we were like, "Oh yeah." And he said, "I need someone to pray for my sister. She's in the hospital." And dude, so I mean. If there's anybody who remembers this, please confirm this because I remember this like it was yesterday and people just laid hands on this. I think he was a gangbanger, dude. Mm. And we we prayed for his sister and then he literally got in his car and screeched off. We were all, did that really happen? Like that was super strange. But this had gone on for like two years and it caught wind in, you know, obviously on the campus. Now, now if you're not familiar, uh, I went to North Park University. That's where Dave and I met. That's right, go Vikings. And North Park University is a university that is run by the Covenant Church. The Evangelical, the Evangelical Covenant, Church. Covenant Church. And they have majors that you can study the Bible. You can study youth ministry, which is what I got my degree in. Uh, I, had a, I had a biblical studies minor, though, just so you know. What did you major in, dude? I majored in biblical and theological studies. Okay, you're better BTS. than me. You're so BTS. Yeah, yeah. BS. You take the T out. It's just you're kind of BS. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I know. I studied uh, biblical studies, and I minored in fine art. So it was like... Hey, how about I uh, go to a private institution and spend uh, a lot of money on painting pictures <laughs> and studying fairy tales? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's give let's give the the bio of Dave Diller. All right, so who is Dave? What should our listeners know about you? Who are you? Why are you here? Who who am I and why am I here? Um, I'm a creative expression of God, universe, life. I'm here for a minute. And um, my only task is to live into that, to be fully me, fully alive. And that's hard work. Dang hard work, dude. It's dang hard work. So hard. So, and then the peripherals, they're major peripherals because they help give me grounding. Um, Dad to three, husband uh, to my wife, and um, artist, uh, pastor, salesman dave is actually in california right now because he lives in michigan which is crazy but how cool is this that he gets to come to california for work they pay him to come here uh get a nice hotel well it's not nice it's a hostel yeah i literally had to share a bathroom (laughs) you haven't done that since college (laughs) dude yes was it a community shower was it community um no just one shower in the hallway okay did you wear flip-flops Everybody wear flip yes. flops in the community shower. Oh my just... gosh! Do not get gangrene. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave is out here selling. He's not just selling furniture, but he's selling creative furniture for schools. What's the name of the company? Uh, the name of the company is Foamcore. Okay, so this is a non-paid endorsement right there. Foamcore so, is it's yeah, free, free right awesome. there. Foamcore. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, it's it's cool. We get to create modular creative furniture uh, for learning spaces K through 12 and higher ed for little kiddos to um, and bigger kiddos to uh, have creative learning environments. It's pretty awesome. Okay. So why I wanted you, I made it, we just had dinner with my family. My kids were jumping all over the trampoline like crazy. And he's got one last night here in San Francisco. But I said, dude, we got to do a podcast. We got to talk because he's got a story as we all do. And my hope is for this podcast is to create conversation around how people experience the holy, the transcendent, and the divine. 
And uh, hold on one second because I'm getting tapped on the shoulder by my daughter. Yes, my love. Oh, you just want to listen? Oh, cool, cool. She's just going to listen. So awesome. Have a seat. Uh, so I want to hear people talk about how they experience God and how they experience holy moments in crazy, strange, unusual things. That's why we call this holy cannoli. So I asked Dave if he would riff. That's one of my favorite words of late. Riff. Just riff. Just, let it go. just riff. But uh, I'd like to start because you used to have this quote unquote official title as a pastor, much like me. And uh, my friend, I'm going to shout out to my friend, Lisa Ann Woldridge. She said, you'll always be a pastor yes. because pastors aren't just about titles. It's about yes. a lifestyle. So yes. riff on that a little bit and maybe give some backstory to what that looked like to have this official pastor role in your life. Yeah. So um, we're all called to be signposts. We're all called to be people that um, point to goodness, to light, to beauty, to hope, um, to creativity um and so being a pastor that's what that means for me um there was a season in my life and there may be a season in the future at some point um who knows but there was a season in my life where i was vocationally a pastor the nine to five which means you got paid got and you got bennies tons tons <laughs> living large as a pastor um yeah, so vocationally as a pastor for a number of years, and uh, you know I'd worked in student ministry, so middle school, high school ministry. I'd done college career ministry, um, uh, worship arts. So because uh, you also were in a band. Oh, I was in a band. Boom! He was in a band called Five Men Down in college. Yeah, this may surprise everybody, but in the late '90s there was a ska revolution. Ska baby, what's it called? Like, boom. What, is, what did they call it? That's a bad. I don't want. You can. If, uh, there should be video right now because Tony is skanking. I'm skanking. Right that's now. right. What's that word? I was like, yeah, it's skanking. I'm totally skanking right now. He's totally not, and he should stop. So uh, playing in, uh, in in bands and uh, the punk rock vibe, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, and I loved Jesus, loved Jesus. And so trying to figure out a way in which all those things collided um, got me involved in vocational ministry. Loved being with people. I still do. Um, <laughs> I love really? people. Do you really? And then church sucked it out of me. <laughs> no. um, all right, so tell us the story. How long you started. So in the church world, they call these things church plants, meaning you start a church from scratch. Yeah, yeah. It would be like um, a, the entrepreneur uh, in, in the church world. You're starting a church from scratch. It started in our living room um, under this really great, simple idea of loving God and loving people. And that's that was not something we came up with. That is, um, <laughs> you know, like the major commandment all throughout the Bible is if we can be about these two things that are really essentially one. It's can we love God and can we love others? And um, sometimes I feel that organized religion gets uh, so bogged down by so much else that we lose sight of uh, this robust simplicity of loving God and loving others. And it's really so hard sometimes. So that's what this church expression was about. And um, I love the name of it too. It renovate. 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 Which yes. has this artistic creation, creativity kind of. Yeah, restoring yeah. what was lost. Like yeah. we're not going to discard it. We're going to make it new. Um, so it started in the uh, meeting in our, in our living room and sharing life, sharing conversation and started growing. Uh, more people wanted to be a part of it. And then we started meeting on the holy hour, Sunday morning. <laughs> the holy the cannoli holy hour. The holy hour. And um, 
we planted a church. So we had music, we had children's programming, um, we had coffee in the sanctuary, um, all those things that you need <laughs> to have to make people come to church. That we think we need, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, hey, can I interrupt and say one of my things, one of my things that I've had to like really embrace and I guess heal over is how, because I was a vocational pastor too, and how much work we put into that building and how much work we put into that holy hour and how easy it is to forget like the church like my, gosh, I, I'm not a Greek scholar. I think I barely passed <laughs> in seminary. I'm like an average theologian. I got to see in, the, in theology. That, I mean, Where'd you go to seminary? <laughs> I'm not going to say because I don't want to <laughs> yeah, tarnish that. Another ringing endorsement. <laughs> but I, 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 I do know this because you can Google it and it's free. The word church is uh, the Greek word ekklesia. Well done. Right? Yes, okay, so I know that. And it means, some version of this, called out assembly or a called yes. out people. And usually it means a called out people with a purpose. Yep. And so I would always, when I really started to hear that, I would always uh, like take issue with how we would describe, like, are you going to church? Or, oh, how was church this morning? Because it really limited it to that one thing that we did on a Sunday. And so I would try really hard, and I always felt like I failed horribly <laughs> to try and communicate like the church is a people we're a movement we're this radical group of followers of Jesus who love God and want to love others but nobody would ever it, it like, my kids would still hey my kid is right here my youngest daughter uh who's right here hey can you come talk on this no no okay I always talk to them about and just so you know again <laughs> you miss Tony skanking and then Tony's daughter is also here given the serious sass with these awesome puppy dog and kitten pajamas yeah <laughs> and they're wearing designer sunglasses <laughs> i try to tell my kids all the time that we don't go to church that we are the church but the reality is that we it's so hard to get that language to to view the church as this people group it's really just about this thing that we go to that should somehow change our life and, and give us some kind of meaning right absolutely and at the same time that that's just that's par for the course in how we live as human beings, I think. We live such disintegrated lives of going to this activity, mm -hmm. um, going to that activity, going to this event with friends because uh, it makes us feel a certain way in that event. But then as soon as we leave that event, um, we're on to the next thing. Uh, and church is no different. Then we just go to church on Sunday because uh, we're supposed to or it's going to make us be... Mm. Um, you know, help our spirituality and help our families. But then when we're done going on Sunday, um, we're off to that next thing. And, and uh, I think we're all longing for some sort of cohesion to this experience we're all having. So you did the Sunday vocational thing for how many years? 15, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2001 to 2000. Oh, yeah, maybe it wasn't that long. Maybe it was 10 years. 10, 10 years. Okay. Yeah. And how we were just talking over dinner. Describe how it came to an end and the period of grief and challenge that actually actually did a renovation in your own life. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there, there are those who um, have experienced organized um, church or organized religion and really had a hard go. And they've had... Uh, spiritual abuse and, mm. and just unhealthy experiences of living up to some kind of um, standard they can never attain, some sort of guilt or um, not being good enough. And, and that was never my experience. Um, 
for me, thankfully, um, even the church growing up for me was a, a place where I could experience welcome and grace and um, hear about goodness and love and mercy and all those kinds of things. So it was never um, a burden uh, for me participating growing up. The burden of church life for me came um, in, in planting of when I felt like, and, and I use that term, I felt like, because I don't know that anyone was really putting that on me. Mm. Um, so there's no one to blame here, but it's that, that stuff we take on ourselves is when I felt like I had to produce some sort of spiritual commodity that people wanted or I thought that they needed. Mm. And um, it became a lot to continue to, to think up week in and week out of, of what's going to make people come back, of, mm-hmm. of what's going to help them go to, quote unquote, the next level of their mm-hmm. spiritual growth. Um, and that pressure, mm-hmm. uh, that weight, uh, it, it's sort of like you're caring or trying to care for people, everyone else, and you're not tending to your own spirit. Mm. Can you think about, as you kind of reflect back, what what would you do different if you could do anything different? And how are you experiencing the church now? I, uh, if I could do something different, I would have been kinder to myself. Um, I would have been more gracious to myself, uh, not working so hard to make a Sunday morning experience be whatever perfect is Mm. in my mind. Um, to, you know, for those, uh, who maybe haven't had as much church experience, um, you know, you, you have a pastor uh, that's up there on Sundays and, and speaking for 20, 30, sometimes 45 minutes. <laughs> Sit down, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> on and on. Um, and so, so just to have that kind of pressure of going, I need to communicate something every week that is going to be quirky, funny, mm. uh, meaningful, Remem- deep. Memorable. Oh, yeah, like they need to laugh and cry. Are they taking the notes right now? <laughs> yes. Are there acronyms? <laughs> Everybody, after yeah, I could help you with that. After the service, <laughs> we're going on a dog walk. Living in God's holy truth, L-I-G-H-T, right after the gathering. <laughs> um, so all of that self-placed pressure of what I felt like I needed to do just became so overwhelming. Um, I don't know what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what would you do different, and what, how are you experiencing yeah, yeah. it now? So it's just, I, yeah, so I would be way kinder to myself, yeah. and, and honestly, um, tell myself, uh, it's not up to you. Yeah. It's not. It, w- it was never up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the most beautiful things, uh, and we hear that story in the opening narrative of Genesis that God creates, and He says, "Be fruitful and multiply." Like not just procreate, but go experience. Give your full self and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Watch what happens. Um, never fear based. Never having to live up to something, um, but. Uh, always being able to live out of an identity, never having to live up to it. And that's such a subtle difference, but a game changer. Mm -hmm. When you realize there's nothing you have to live up to, but you get to live out of your identity. Um, So I wish um, I was able to communicate that to myself, and I wish I probably would have had ears to hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, uh, as I continue to experience God and creation in all kinds of ways, you know, I, I would say it's pretty holistic and ironically going to church on Sunday mornings and being a part of that type of expression is still part of that for mm-hmm, us. 
Um, so did you guys take a break? Did you have a time where, you know, because right now my family and I, I haven't been on the staff of a church for now at this point of recording about a month and we're taking this quote unquote break because I think it's necessary for me as I spend some time like re-figuring out who I am, reinventing my life. But I think the church also needs a break from me <laughs> so they can move on without me too. But how did you guys deal with that in the interim of your last day as a, as a preacher, a vocational pastor to where you are today? Yeah, I would say it was, it was pretty organic. There was, there was no um, set time in which we were saying, hey, we're gonna take a break. We did take a break and we didn't over-spiritualize it. It was more out of a place of going, we're not going to go to church today. We've gone to church for a, like, and when I say church, I use air quotes. We've <laughs> gone to church for a long time, mm -hmm. Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. We've done that for a long season and it's been full. Mm -hmm. And we are in a new season where we're not going to quote unquote church, um, where we, we still need um, to be aware and awake and, and, mindful that we don't run the show, but God is present. Um, and, you know, there was nothing scripted about it. It wasn't like, all right, kids, we'll get up at 10 o'clock this Sunday. Uh, because and I say 10 o'clock because if, <laughs> if you're a preacher or a preacher's family, you know, you're up. You're up. Uh, That's one Sunday? thing I don't miss, man. I don't have to be at a prayer meeting at 7 oh o'clock in the morning. How about Sunday afternoon naps, though? Oh, oh the best, dude. The best. <laughs> the best. Sleeping on Sunday afternoon is the best. But the thing that was challenging for us as a family is my wife was with the kids from the time I left at 7 o'clock on a Sunday till 1 or 1.30 when I got home. So me taking a nap at 2 o'clock was a little challenging. Uh, can you imagine the podcast, how long this would be if we just talked to pastor spouses? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, like this is therapeutic. So I know that the listeners are most of them not pastors, but the two who are listening who might be pastors, this is <laughs> going to be helpful for you. you. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, there was never the set season of going, okay, we're going to be out of quote unquote church this long. It was just going this no longer. This expression is not serving our family right now. And we need to take a break from it. And um, that was, there was a little bit of self-made war within because you've done something for so long that in your mind is telling you is good. You should be doing it. That when, you don't do it, there's a part of you that feels like, is that okay to feel sure. that way? Um, is it okay not to go do that? You feel like you're a child all over again. And so um, one of the, the phrases, I said it a minute ago, but that idea of um, the things we put into our life, asking them how they serve us, and, and not in some sort of egotistical, um, you know, it's all about us kind of thing, but I mean it more in the human flourishing sense. Mm -hmm. Are we engaged in things um, that serve us? And um, we went to a season where going in that way did not serve us. We mm -hmm. needed a break. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure exactly what we did. I mean, it was pretty ordinary, I guess. And it was sleeping in. It was cutting the grass. It was... Now, arguing. that's what I want to talk about right there. Because I think a lot of the listeners, my hope is you're here to listen to how you can experience God in the ordinary or the strange, right? Because we have done, and this is our this is our problem. Like you said earlier when we were having dinner, we sort of create a monster, us vocational ministers, and we create this product that consumes us. And in some, in some ways, we want it to consume you. And you come to these things and these programs we put on, but we don't sometimes do a good job of helping people experience God every minute. There's 168 hours a week. 
It's not just the two hours that you're in our buildings on a Sunday. So how did you experience God? Do you have any stories of experiencing God sort of in your napping or cutting the grass or in the ordinary strange parts of life that were outside of your Sunday morning duties? So maybe it's just I have a terrible memory and I can't think of specific things or um, lately I'm just trying to be super mindful of what's going on right now. And I think about um, how we experience God is... uh, by looking around, mm-hmm. by listening, mm-hmm. uh, by saying yes to things. Mm-hmm. And it may be to a friend who asks us for something or asks us to do something, or it may be something within us that's saying, hey, go over here and, and you know try this. And normally we would say no because of self-preservation or whatever else, and yet we're feeling compelled just to say yes to the little things that life shows us. Oh my gosh, I love that, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I don't know that I have one experience. I think it's way more ordinary Mm -hmm. than that. Mm -hmm. I think it is like whatever task you're doing, um, do that task well. Mm -hmm. Um, Take a minute and look around. And I mean, like I'm sitting here right now and Tony's kids just got out of the shower, (laughs) the bath, and they're dancing around and they're hanging on them. And they've they've never met me before. So they're like, this is kind of weird. Dad has people come over and they talk around a microphone. And uh, and they're jumping out on a trampoline. And we need to get get these 30,000 foot perspectives. And that's divine, right? It's so divine. This is divine. Just going, yes, God, thank you. And in episode number three, we wish my wife was here. She was here earlier. She's such a good co-host. She went out to go see the Mr. Rogers documentary, which I highly recommend. So good. Uh, that's a great, you want to experience God, go to the movies. Yeah. But in episode three, we were talking to her mom, my mother-in-law, and uh, we were just talking about, like, I love the random, awkward people of life. And I'm trying <laughs> to just sometimes, you know, that was when I was in the church work they would be the bane of my existence sometimes because they would make life hard for me or complain. Or I literally got a note my last Sunday of a guy who, like, you know, he he had to start the note off saying something he did not like about me. <laughs> like this curmudgeon guy. I'm like, really, dude? Come on. But I'm trying to go, like what you said earlier, just say yes to those people. Like, yes, like you, you are made in the image of God, awkward person who makes my life you know, <laughs> crazy. Yes, uh, speeding ticket. Yes, whatever. Like, these are things that I could experience God from. Yes, my kid's hanging on me <laughs> when I just want to, like, have quiet so the podcast can be perfect. But yes, I, I want to say yes to this moment because there, there is God. There, and, there is God. And, and it's not as, um, it's not this syrupy, um, you know, way of looking at life with rose-colored glasses, like when you talk about getting a speeding ticket and go, yes, <laughs> life is so generous and benevolent. <laughs> Thank and you, universe. No, no, it's always rigged in my favor <laughs> in that way. No, like that's that's not the kind of uh, uh, awareness like we're talking about. Um, it, it's, it's being, it takes so much practice too it's like do you remember tony those um this this will date us for sure in the era that we grew up in those magic eye posters do you remember were you, were you they, stare they, they at them like this, they look, yeah yeah it yeah, was like a poster and, and they something were totally pops out blurry. yeah yeah and totally. you'd, you'd like they were in the mall in the mall kiosk oh my and, gosh um, the kiosks that, yeah uh, yeah and it, and it would be a, a picture and they looked yeah. super blurry it was like yeah. a kaleidoscope on acid yeah and you were thinking what why would you buy this and put this up and in um there would be somebody standing like three <laughs> feet away from it staring at it and then they would go oh that's awesome sailboat Mm -hmm. and you're like 
what like what mm-hmm. how do you see a sailboat and and they had to um, learn to let their gaze go learn to let their eyes go and let their focus go and then the way all these shapes work together is they created a hidden image mm-hmm. and um, I think so much in our life um, we're being invited to let our gaze go somewhere else mm-hmm. um, to let go of all these things that we think really matter right now that we get so worked up on that we're trying to engineer outcomes we get bent in our tribalism we're getting focused on our ideology we're getting we're trying to just make it whatever the it is mm. um, and that focus keeps us from really seeing mm. like we're blind mm. and so I think the call for all of us is a continual learning of letting our gaze go mm-hmm. um, and it's terrifying because if, if we're not holding on to those things that we've believed since our youth and even into our adulthood that define us, that give us identity, that shape us, um, then we're afraid of what's on the other side. Uh, we don't know who we are. And um, there's no quick and easy way to do that. It's, it's when you were talking with somebody who practiced or who looked at those magic eye posters and you would try to get instruction from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, help me see the sailboat. Um, they'd be like, oh, man, you just got to kind of let your gaze go and try. And, and it was like it didn't make sense. Mm. But it just took an earnest desire and practice. That's so good right there. I'm thinking about, okay, so two things. One, the invitation. I want to camp on that for a second. But before I get there, thinking about my role, your role as this vocational pastor, this is our paid job. We were paid to help people. We were paid to spiritually nurture people. We were paid to help them see. And that's what we poured hours upon hours into our messages. For me, it was my creativity, my video work, all that kind of stuff. I wanted people to see God, experience God, come closer to God. And I think the reality was I look back just in this moment and me think I'm probably like that person trying to tell the other person how to see the, the magic eye or whatever that in that picture. Here, see the sailboat. Come on, do this, do this. But until that person wants to see or really has a transcendent moment where they see it themselves, uh, all the work that I'm doing really is just like what Scripture would say. I'm just planting seeds. I'm giving them ideas of maybe how they could do it or why they would want to do it because look what I experienced. Or I'm watering a hope that when you do see it, it's going to have some impact on your life. Like that's just, This is First Corinthians um Oh, gosh, my brain. Can you, can you call it 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians, <laughs> where Paul is talking about the people were, Paul is this uh, apostle uh, of Jesus who in the first century, he never met Jesus personally uh, while he was a human being, but Jesus appeared to him and did this like radical thing, like blinded him and spoke to him because G- Paul was actually um, persecuting anybody who was a follower of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Paul started doing all these great things and helping people and telling people and and then people start like basically following Paul and worshiping him. And, and then he has this other disciple named Apollos who everyone's like, well, I'm with Apollos. I'm with Paul. Long story short, Paul says, stop it, you guys. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. It doesn't matter what church you belong to or what pastor is your favorite or who you're trying to quote or what book author you like. This is what I would say today, Paul might say. He's like, we are just planters and waterers. We're just trying to help you all. But he, God, the, the, the divine, he's the one who grows you. He's the one who can save you, but you have to experience him. I can't, I can't save you. I can't grow you, but I'll do my best to plant some hope in you. I'll do my best to water the seed of comfort, you know, and love that you're looking for. So that, I love that dude. 
But then let's talk about this and kind of uh, end our podcast here with you talking about the invitation, because I like that. You said this over dinner. You said this a couple times just a minute ago that you were looking for these invitations. Maybe your, your experience of God became more about just looking for how he was inviting you to experiencing him. And you've had a couple different challenging things in which you have experienced him, but one of them was the job that you took after, which I thought was really fascinating in the nursing home. Oh, yes. Um, so I think sometimes we look at life and we look at how life is happening to us. And when we experience pain and loss and when we have... Uh, as Richard Rohr calls it, our crisis of oh, I love him. <laughs> our crisis of limitations. Those moments when we realize that the two plus two equals four world that we were grown up um, to find our security and safety in actually doesn't exist. Um, when we go to that place of then feeling like life is doing this to me, life is happening to me. Um, life is bringing me pain, bringing me suffering. Um, it can get this terrible blame victimization mindset. And so life then becomes something that happens to us. Even in some good things that go on, we feel that life does something and we're passive recipients to life. And, um, the opposite, uh, is actually way more true. This life is not doing anything to us, but life is beckoning us calling us, mm. asking us, inquiring to us, uh, inviting us, mm -hmm. wanting us to step into it, to be more fully ourselves, and it will do anything to get our attention. It will bring joy our way. Uh, it will also use pain and quote-unquote setbacks mm. to get our attention and realize this entire life is an invitation. Hmm. Um, and that may be really hard for some people, even right now that are listening to this, to hear that because uh, some of you might be going through some really dark, difficult situations, some places where you don't know what tomorrow looks like. You don't know what the rest of the day looks like. Um, you're facing things that seem insurmountable and leave you to these places of just at the end of yourself. Um, life is still inviting you uh, and giving you opportunity uh, to step into even your pain with a level of openness to trust that something even there is happening, uh, that life is at work, that God is still good and kind and full of mercy. Um, so, when I went through a season where I had been offering all kinds of spiritual goods and commodities <laughs> to people mm. to help them, that I had something outside of them to offer them that would then make them better and all that pressure. Um, and the church planting world, uh, for those of you who are not in the church planting world or in church vocational ministry, church planting is... It is like the what have you done for me lately. Um, it is everything should have been done yesterday. Um, it is lots of, you know, I mean, highly effective leadership and um, super busy and vision casting, strategizing, lots of acronyms, all these kinds of things <laughs> to, to arrive at some goal. And it was, it was a hamster wheel. Mm. Um, and so it, it wiped me out. Mm. Uh, burned me out. Um, 
in that time and space, uh, that, that sort of cliche saying of saying, uh, I feel like a, a human doing and not a human being was really true. Um, I didn't know really who I was and what I was supposed to be doing anymore. I lost kind of mm-hmm. touch with myself and, um, life was really heavy. Mm. So my wife and I felt like it was like that wasn't working. Um, and sometimes, um, letting go of your grasp on something is actually an active step forward. Sometimes we think we have to be doing something like proactive and I'm going to accomplish this today and that's going to get me further down the field. Uh, well, sometimes actually just letting go. Um, if it's this intentional letting go to something that no longer serves us, it can be the thing that really keeps propelling us forward. So uh, we decided it was really time to let this season of life go, that this church pastoring planting in this way was not working. Um, and it was nobody's fault. It just wasn't working. So stepped away from that and really was unsure what was going to happen next, what I was going to be doing. Um, and about five months later, um, I interviewed and took a position at a long-term care facility mm. as a spiritual caregiver, mm. which is a really fancy way of saying I was a nursing home chaplain. <laughs> Wait, what was your official title? Uh, spiritual care for a long-term living community. Spiritual care for yes. long-term living. Yes. Yes, I glided through those hallways. <laughs> I just imagine you floating like the genie from Aladdin, just one room to the next, caring. But no, not to make fun, but this was a very defining and shaping experience for you. Radically different than the treadmill hamster wheel of leading a church. It was quiet. It was painful, grief-stricken. But somehow you experienced something deep there. Oh yeah, and um, let's just let's just call it out. Like um, a nursing home job mm. is usually not something that when we're young and we're listing off a series of professions mm. that we dream of becoming. Like mm. no child is going. Uh, if I can't be a police officer, I want to be a fireman. If I can't be a fireman, I want to be an mm. NFL player. If I can't be an NFL player, I want to be a nursing home administrator. <laughs> Nobody's doing that. And I don't think anybody is actually even thinking, I want to live in a nursing home when I'm old. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone is actually thinking, I want my loved one mm. to spend their years yeah. in a nursing home. Like It is the plan D-E-N-F yeah. of yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and that's where I found myself. Mm. And, and I say all that uh, certainly in no means to um, disparage that experience. In fact, quite the contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was in that space um, where I really not, not just found myself again, but probably found myself for the first time of what it means to be human. It, it was such the antithesis to the sort of corporate way of doing church Hmm. day in, day out, week in, week out, this entrepreneurial hustle. Hmm. Um, And everything is dependent upon what you preach and and what kind of traction your, you know, sermon gets or whatever else. Like Hmm. none of that mattered in a place where residents have dementia. Hmm. Um, And you're changing diapers and people are dying and grieving and, Exactly, um, and there was a piece of me at the same. You know, like I really wrestled with that too because 
by nature, like I'm, I'm a driven person. I, I want to accomplish things or, or, or whatever it is that that ego when it kicks in, like I, I want I want to dream and, and have ideas and, and see them happen. And, and yet this was a season in a place where um, I was being invited to let all of that go, mm-hmm. that need to engineer something and let it go. And really, I was being invited to experience um, the beauty of what it means to be human with others in the midst of ordinary in the midst of loss in the midst of pain in the midst of grief in the midst of celebration too i mean um some hilarious moments um in uh sort of the nursing home and and you know some of those some of those things just just to give you an idea i went from preaching sermons every sunday you know using greek exegetical (laughs) tools and all these kinds of things. fancy powerpoint slides let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> faster <laughs> it was good to um to doing sermons where i would get out the dry erase board and i would write the alphabet vertically mm-hmm. and then i would ask our residents to say hey what's something that we're thankful for that begins with the letter a mm-hmm. and somebody would say i'm thankful for apples mm-hmm. and then i would write apples mm-hmm. and we'd go through the alphabet Some residents might even forget letters. They might forget words. Um, And that became our sermon. Um, By the world standards, a really overly simplified, you know, thing. And yet it was so profoundly beautiful because those times and spaces taught me to slow down, Mm -hmm. um, to be thankful for all of it, Mm. to be in our um, times of singing. um, And... You have did to you lead the singing? Uh, I did not. We had okay. volunteers that came in okay. and, and led. Um, but one of the things that was really beautiful uh, is that when you're in a long-term care community like that, um, so many of these people that would go to church that are now like in their 90s, let's say, they've been a part of church life their whole life. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up singing these hymns, like these 200-year-old hymns, or you know, just really old how great thou art all these other ones that some you know so many of us know um and they would experience uh dementia alzheimer's um be unable to maybe even communicate or remember family members names um and yet we would get to certain songs and they Mm -hmm. would remember all the lyrics totally um and there was something just really beautiful uh about that as well, mm-hmm. where um, you're singing these songs that you know these people have, have sung since their youth. I mean, like for 85, 90 years, and they're still able somehow to recall it. And um, It's like Coco. you seen Coco? I have not seen Coco. Okay, have you seen the documentary Alive Inside? I have not. Oh my gosh, dude, this is going to rock you when you see it. This documentary Alive Inside is just that. Okay. It's a whole documentary of how music is being used to wake dementia patients to actually have a conversation with a loved one because they play Elvis or they play, you know, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, like New York, New York. What's that guy's name? <laughs> I don't they, know. Keep singing. They've got, uh, dun, 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 it's bread in the news. What's his name? He's the, I did it. It's Frank Sinatra. That's it. <laughs> they play something from. <laughs> we, we literally just forgot Frank Sinatra. Who has dementia here? <laughs> Somebody play something for me to wake me up. But yeah, dude, like what you're describing, I think that's like the power of the divine, of the holy, 
that you're watching these people literally like open their eyes from vegetable state with music. And gosh, dude, I can't imagine. And, and then I think, you know, some of the other components of that is um, my, my triggered need uh, to do something in awkward and uncomfortable space. Oh yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So um, we would have residents again that, that unable to communicate. Mm. Um, they don't even let out any noises, mm. uh, just sort of what you would call like a blank stare. And, and I, part of my practice would be uh, I would walk the halls and I would, you know, stop in and out of residents room, um, talk about different things, pray with them if they would like. Um, but just visit, be a, a non-anxious presence is what we talk about in, in mm. vocational ministry, but it's so good. And um, I remember one particular uh, time when I was in a residence room that uh, severe dementia was unable to communicate and I hadn't visited with this person in a long time. And so I felt compelled and I go in their room and I sit in the chair next to their bed and um, they are just staring. They're, they're like propped up, so they're they're not staring at the ceiling, but they're kind of staring at the wall in front of them. And I'm sitting there, and my mind is on overdrive. Mm. Mm. I'm physically there. I'm physically still, and my mind is racing. Oh, what, you should probably pray right now. I mean, you're mm. getting paid to do that. You should. Um, what you know? What else is something else you should do in this space because this space. It's too uncomfortable. Mm. It's too awkward. Do uh, something, Pastor Dave. Oh my Do gosh. something. And don't we all, we don't need to be in vocational ministry or have had been a pastor sure. who experienced this. Don't we all find ourselves in situations yeah. where with that mind is on overdrive and it's saying do something because yeah. this space is too awkward. Yeah, if this there's a silence, I got to bridge the conversation in some way. This space is too painful. Yeah. It's up to you to fix it. <clears throat> and so sometimes what we end up doing is um, stepping in, intruding in that space to make huh. something happen yeah. when really what life is doing is offering us an invitation. Yeah. And it's really even just an invitation to our own self-discovery to go, huh, uh, what about myself is feeling anxious and uncomfortable? Why do I feel like I have to fix whatever this is? And so I was in that space and I, and I had all those things going through my mind, like I should pray, I should, this, you know, it's not a good use of my time, mm. um, all of that. And I had this inner dialogue, dialogue um, for about 45 minutes, sitting there, just trying to, give that voice room in my head and then also kind of let it go and then argue with it. And, and then it sort of kicked in where I was reminded that that space was divine, mm -hmm. was beautiful. Mm -hmm. it, it required nothing of me mm -hmm. except to be available, to be present. Um, that there's something amazingly holy, divine, however you call it, beautiful, uh, when two hum human beings, when we share and occupy space. Um, and so th that was a profound moment for me that just reminded me, um, sometimes I get in the way and sometimes mm -hmm. my perceived awkwardness um, and my need to fix it gets in the way. Uh, and I guess I would say then with that part of the, the learning growth curve um, thing for me is pain and uncomfortableness 
is often an indicator that life is trying to tell me something. Ooh, that's good. Um, Say that again. That pain and awkwardness uh-huh. is often an invitation. It's life's way of saying, yeah, there's something here. And, and, and you feel that, right? You feel that twinge. Like mm-hmm. it just it doesn't sit. Dude, I always squeeze my butt cheeks when I feel <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so I always know if I'm squeezing my butt cheeks, there's something for me to get in the <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like I'm awkward, so I just squeeze my butt cheeks because that seems to do something, and then I go, "Uh oh!" Release the butt cheeks and see what God is trying to communicate right now. Oh my gosh! I don't even like. How do you even resurrect what you just said? <laughs> Holy cannoli! <laughs> I think that is so good. That's going to be the quote I'm going to use for this episode. I-, I was thinking as you were talking, there is someone listening right now that maybe as Dave was talking about that calling, like. That there, there, maybe there is a calling, because maybe because you, you, you do embrace the awkward, you do embrace the strange of life, and there's a calling on your life to go be a nursing home spiritual care director. I think someone's listening right now, and you've been wrestling with: Do I leave this job that seems so much more valuable and gives me so much more meaningful significance, and maybe even a better cha- paycheck? But to go and sit, like I really got a, a powerful image as you were talking about experiencing God by literally just sitting next to someone who couldn't say thank you, who couldn't even look you in the eye, who maybe was, uh, you know, blubbering and drooling, but there's this holy moment that you got to have with this person and you'll never even know what was going on inside that person's mind. So I want to affirm if there is someone who feels that call, go after it, let us know, uh, message us on the podcast page or, uh, tweet at me. I would love to, to connect with you. Or, you know, Dave, you can message him on Instagram at David C. Diller and ask questions or get some insight for, from him because I think that's a really meaningful calling. I think um, also along with that, uh, part of this is, is right trying to find it in the everyday. Mm-hmm. So maybe your own pain and your own awkwardness is when you're sitting at home and if you have children, they're in your space. <laughs> Their stuff is in your space and you want them to behave. You want them to listen and they're not doing those things. And you are being triggered in every way possible to interject, to make Mm -hmm. it right, to get them to obey, to get them to do Um, that. It's up to you um, because you can't sit in that space of awkwardness Mm -hmm. and undoneness. And, um, Maybe it's as simple as sitting down on the couch and Mm -hmm. recognizing that trigger is going off. And um, instead of doing what you always do by like yelling or or maybe you don't yell. Maybe what you always do is just check out Mm. is you just close your eyes and like take a nap and you just Mm. explain it away. Like, I'm so tired. I came home from work. Maybe. um, Maybe what you're being asked to do, what life's inviting you in those moments is just to sit with it mm-hmm. and go, yeah, okay, what about this is awkward? Why is this awkward for me? And what, what are my kids asking of me? Maybe they just need to be seen. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just need to be sat with. Um, life is always, always inviting us into something and we miss it. We miss it because we hate to sit with our undoneness with our pain, with our awkwardness. And so we medicate in all kinds of ways. And it, your medication, it, it might be 
um, some sort of, uh, you know, alcohol problem or, or spending issue or something like that. But it, it may be way more subverse. Mm. Your, your self-medicating might just be the same pattern every day you get home. I'm just tired. I just mm-hmm. I need some time in front of the TV or w- whatever it is. And you check out uh, because it's too hard, too difficult to sit, to sit in that space of being undone. But that's where the magic is. That's good, man. The magic. That's the magic. Unholy cannoli. <laughs> David C. Tiller. Dude, thank you. Uh, so last thing is going to, it's a quickie. Yep. What are you watching? What do you want to recommend? How are you experiencing the divine? Because I believe all TV and film are divine. Well, this is really going to ruffle your feathers because I am not watching oh, anything. Good luck. Get this guy out there. <laughs> no, I'm not watching anything. So we have just moved and we were in a home that um, for the last two months we had no cable. So we like we literally watched nothing. You got a phone, bro. Come on. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm in a season where I'm not. Dang. I, I'm He's trying. really embracing this strange and, and, quiet. And, 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 you know, this is going to sound like some crazy, um, like super holy, whatever. And, and honestly, it's just been nothing planned or predicted. It was just kind of like, oh, I just, I don't, not right now. I'm watching the World Cup. Okay, okay. There yeah. we go. This, Dave's a soccer dude. Ever since I've known him, he's been into soccer, which is, that's divine, dude. That's transcendent. Yeah. Find the holy there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to end with the the one Corinthians three, <laughs> as some people might say, one Corinthians three or first Corinthians. This three. is gonna be huge. It's gonna be great. <laughs> this is the best Corinthians. This is it. Everybody loves this Corinthian. Neither the other one. <laughs> neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they are awarded for their own labor. For we, I love this one. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. We're co-workers with God. We are with God. We don't have to do things for God or near God. We are about God. We do things with God. You work with God. God is with you in that nursing home. God is with you in that school that you're teaching. God is with you selling that furniture, Dave Diller. We're invited into it. We're invited to be with God. And you are God's field, God's building. Boom. That's it. That's Holy good. cannoli. Thanks for listening, everybody. You want to say anything else? No. <laughs> oh, we didn't get to talk about Chip. Real quick, we had a turtle. We owned a turtle. We, co-owned, we were turtle co-owners. <laughs> what, was the, what was the name of that cartoon? Help me, Mr. Wizard. Do you remember that? Was t- it a turtle? It was a turtle. I don't remember. I uh, vaguely remember. Oh, uh, yeah. So we had a turtle, a box turtle. Where did we even get said turtle? I don't know. But it lived in a box. And that's probably why it died. It did not. Didn't, oh, did it we have an aquarium of some sort? No, we did not have an aquarium. We were college students. <laughs> he lived in a shoebox. And we named him Chip because he had a chip on his shell. So let's take a moment of silence, an awkward moment of holy silence for Chip. All I can think about is Tony's butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way to end right there. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. 
You can post questions or suggest topics for the podcast on our Holy Cannoli Facebook page or use the hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast on Twitter and we might read your question or suggestion on air. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.